There are never any shortages of legal issues for her to untangle or settle. I have the sense that she has the ear of some very important, powerful people as it relates to all things to do with the champagne, the place, and the wine. Now that you're here, we're all in the company of your cool aunts. I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And this is the Your Cool Aunts podcast, where we follow the lives and times of cool aunts through Claire's diary. So welcome back. And if you're new here, you can join the conversation in our Facebook group. And there's more on our website and Twitter and Instagram. So follow us, like us, subscribe. And now let's get to it. This is number nine in a series. It's entitled... Madame Grenot. This is Claire's hostess, I guess. Hostess. <laughs> this is a family that Claire is living with for the summer. Claire's note is, it's interesting. I, I think it's better if I just jump in and, and start reading the note to you before I comment. And to all her nieces, aunts, and friends, Claire says, since we've been getting together with your cool aunts, I've tried to provide you with some details that give a real sense of the people and places I write about here in the diary. Oddly, I haven't spent much time telling you about the Grenot family yet, their farm, and the time I lived with them. It's more accurate to say that I was part of their family. They readily accepted me and provided just the right amount of support to make me feel secure and independent. You know, what a sweet arrangement. Of course, you know, Laurent's not going to put her in a risky situation. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I think that was commented, you know, Laurent's attention to her sister's daughter. (laughs) Like, yeah, don't. Don't mess this one up. <laughs> well, and, and of all the people in the village, she could have probably connected her with. This seems to be a, a really good. Yeah. So, so Laurent's being very cla- careful about, you know, where she placed. Maybe Claire, Charlotte's if you a will. cool lot too. Yeah. So she, she blends right in and they're decent people and Claire's a decent person. So, okay. She says they readily accepted me and provided just the right amount of, you know, to make me feel secure and independent. Other than their proximity to Laurent's farm. Ah, we didn't know this. It was never clear to me what exactly led to their friendship with Laurent. And it has never mattered or been central to anything beyond the initial introduction. Yeah, so, like, here's the Grenos. You're going to live with them, and, like... Life is good. Yeah. Charlotte Grenot is an impressive woman, and definitely the head of this household, not in an imperious way, but more so in terms of organization and function. There's a definite schedule to when things happen that makes for a very calm and predictable pace here. Read on, you'll see what I mean, and we'll talk again soon, Claire. I could not agree more with schedules, and not, not that I... You mean an organized person? She didn't throw her into a chaotic family. No, but you some know, families are chaotic. Right. And it would have been probably very difficult for her to have lived that way. But my experience growing up was, you know, dinner was at a specific time. Certain things happened on a very regular basis and you can depend on that. And I think that leads to some what kids think of as boredom and, ugh, you know, the mundane. But the mundane makes for a very secure feeling, too. And I think everybody needs a little bit of that. This is a delightful young family. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear about Is Madame that it for the note? No. Hmm? That's, that's it for the note? That's it. She oh, signs okay. off. We'll talk again soon, Claire. So that's, that's note land. <laughs> Shall we open up the diary now? Sure. Okay. Madame Grenot, Charlotte. I think Charlotte is a force majeure. I always did, and I still believe that this is not an overstatement. Well, 
a force majeure is like a hurricane. <laughs> it is like a hurricane. <laughs> Living with the Grinnells, I had the privilege of being in her presence as she navigated everything. Her law practice, their family, their burgeoning vineyard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, I watched her too. I think she's telling us very specifically, this is another cool aunt, right? I think we already know Don't that. Don't forget, anyway. she was watching when she was 12. She was observing. Yeah, she's, she's so an observant this is her, woman. part of her character. I often found myself caught up watching her as she moved through whatever she was focused on and wondering to myself if I'd ever be capable of doing so much so well. Before I comment, I'll say this this line's exactly what I was thinking. Once I asked her how she managed it all, and her response is memorable. Offhandedly and laughing a bit, she said, you know, it doesn't all come at the same time. These responsibilities build over time. And when you're lucky, they come along one or maybe two at a time. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, your responsibilities, I mean, sometimes thrown into the sauce, if you will. But yeah, I mean, you take on additional things as you as you roll along. It's like, you know, the snowball Why, rolling down the hill time. and getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it's an avalanche of responsibilities. And Charlotte continues, I felt the same way at your age too, but don't worry. You'll manage everything when you need to. That's very similar advice that, that Laurent gave her. You know, yes. make the decisions one at a, one time, at a time and don't let the what ifs hang you up, right? It's like that idea of today's life is made up of lots of today's. So you take care of it today. Yeah, the now. Yeah, the no. now. The now yep. is what's matter is what matters. Well, that speaks very much to what she's saying about Claire being so organized and getting it done. But I think she when you're an outsider, it. though, you think that this person has all this responsibility at once, you well, know, course, because they're yeah. dealing with a lot of things at once. But they've mastered one and then they've moved to the well, other. Claire stepped into their life after she's built a law practice and she's had a family and she's moved her family to this farm and they started a vineyard. And I, I'm making some leaps there, but, you know, so Claire steps into it. Well, that's not how... Charlotte stepped into it, you know. This resonated with Claire because it was so close to, God, we keep doing this, saying exactly what she eventually writes. This resonated because it was so close to Laurent's advice to make one decision at a time and resist hypothetical obstacles because they overburden the present. Boy, that's perfect. Hypothetical obstacles overburden the present. Because hypotheticals you know, can well, go forever. Future hypothetical obstacles overburden the present. That's so true. Because hypotheticals go forever. There is no end. I mean, you consider a few, but, you know, so you have an awareness going into the future, but you don't let it burden the now, in theory. Um, Clear continues in a section called The Kitchen. I have a feeling it's not going, this isn't going where I, where the title tells us it's going. Like my mother's house and probably so many others, the Grinot Kitchen is the center of the family's universe. It's a big open space that spread into a, you know, air quotes, living area with no specific line of demarcation. The back wall is made of glass panels up, that go up to the rafters. This sounds like a modern renovation on an old, I'm envisioning an old building that they've renovated, framed and divided by, yeah, sure, framed and divided by black metal. It had three pairs of double doors with brass lever handles that opened outward to the terrace where the stone slab table lives. What did wow, you call that? Hinge? Beautiful. Yeah. Hinge. Yes. So you've got a wall of glass and it's got that black frame with the, with all these doors that open outwards. I'm envisioning those like light, uh, voile curtains. Is that what you call them? 
Yes. And floating. Flutter in the the air. The door on the far left side is the main entrance that is usually left open as it's the only one with a screen door. The screen door had an informal secondary purpose, and it was that it announcing departures and arrivals as it slapped loosely and squeaked as people and pets came and went. I can see it. That reminds me of one of those old summer cabins with the screen door that never quite closes and it just flaps every time someone comes through. So she continues, when the main glass door is closed, it's Charlotte's signal that she is working and everyone is rerouted to the small front door without pause. So that's her signal. If this door is closed. Like Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf would close the door and put an X when she was right. Oh, right. Yes, yeah. that's right. So and I remember that scene. Sure. In the movie. After lunch, when the kids are settled down for naps, she set herself up at the far end of the long farmer's table every... So, I mean, this is, this is her ritual. She, and I think she mentioned this in a prior episode that she set up her work when the kids were down for a nap and they the knew enough day. to linger in the nap until she... Yeah, the first day Claire... Yes, 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 that's it, yeah. In my letters home, I have described her as bomb-proof, as in nothing seemed to unsettle or upset her as she took everything in stride. Another traitor habit uh, that I noticed was that Charlotte never put anything off for later. Whatever demanded her attention was dealt with at once. You know, that's what you got to do, especially when there are little eyes two feet tall staring at you going, you know, what now what, mommy? It seemed to me that she never needed to make a to-do list because she dealt with things when they arose and she was always focused, interrupted. She would pivot back to her task at hand and get right back to what she was doing. So like, okay, if you're interrupted, it doesn't turn the world upside down. She goes back to it and drills down in. Boy, I wish I could do that. I run down more rabbit holes in the course of a day. (laughs) Oh, but it's fun. (laughs) Oh, man. Of course, I helped her whenever she asked, meaning Claire helps Charlotte whenever she asked, which usually meant there was a technology issue. She called me her tech team, a name I earned for fixing her printer soon after my first arrival. Other than my usual participation in the household and my work outside in the vineyard, I felt especially useful when I was able to solve a problem for Charlotte. She is a lawyer with a short list of clients managing their trust and estate issues. Oh, well, that explains a lot. So that's that's sort of solitary kind of work, huh? Yes, I think it is. Most of her clients own land and property in the Champagne region. Some are friends of her family. Some are involved in both the vineyards as well as winemaking. And others are absentee landowners. Let me just finish up this section. There are never any shortages of legal issues for her to untangle or settle. I have the sense that she has the ear of some very powerful and important people as it relates to all things to do with champagne, the place and the wine. I'm getting this picture of this woman. She's very measured. She's very in control. She's managing this practice. She deals with, you know, the issues around her family and her business. And then she's her got a pretty full law life. practice. Yeah. And I can organized. see why Claire watches her going, man, how are you doing all of this? Monsieur Grenot is what, out in the vineyard doing vineyard things? Yes, I guess he is. <laughs> we Tagging don't know. plants, whatever no, they we, do out well, there. Well, we don't know for sure yet. Okay. She returned- well, we do know because when he picked her up, she said he looked dusty. Like yeah, he had just but come she hasn't specifically vineyard. told us 
but exactly what he does true. in the course that's of the true. day. I mean, yeah. if they have a vineyard, he's he's busy running the farming aspect of it. And so they're making wine as well as growing grapes, which is not the norm for a small concern. We don't know the size of their situation here. So we did learn that their property is adjacent to Laurent has a place there apparently, right? A farm, she said, didn't she? Yes. Yep. She returned to the vineyard because it was home, says the next section. Charlotte inherited the land, house, and the vineyard where they now live and work. Her family was a fixture in this town for generations until her parents left for the city when she was entering school. The family property fell into disuse, much like the village over the course of only two decades. It's a little, it's a little sad. Like Charlotte's family, many of the village's citizens had left for lives out of the vineyards. The locals who remained have been a bit resentful and reticent about welcoming newcomers, no matter how well-intentioned. But someone like Charlotte, who claimed it as her birthplace, were the exception. Okay, like, yeah, we'll accept you, but we're going to keep an eye on you kind of an attitude. Well, I mean, I can understand that in the village perspective, you know? Yeah, because... I think it can go to extremes that are not terribly healthy. Or it could be a, a jealousy issue. Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, you went to there's Paris and you that. made lots of money and then you come back, you're like Mr. Big Stuff, you know? Yeah, okay. Chilly at first, villagers warmed up as she quickly wove herself back into the village with a revitalization plan for her property and the village as a whole. Interesting. The Grenos made the transition out of the city and back to the vineyard for the usual reasons. The city is ever more difficult for families, and the expense of living there eventually makes that decision to leave a little bit easier, especially when it's Paris. Yikes. Especially it is. It's, it's like Paris. living in New York City, though. You know, it's it's got a lot of challenges lot, yeah. navigating the city life. Especially with kids. Does she have kids then? I assume they did, Yeah. But it's interesting because her parents moved to the city when she was starting school. Yeah, when she was starting school. So she says here, prior to the birth of her second child, the apartment was tight but still manageable. Once Remy was walking on his own, I guess that's the... They could no longer delay moving into either a larger place in the city or take the plunge back into the vineyard. By this point in time, Charlotte had earned high praise professionally with a few important legal victories. So leaving the city was no longer a professional risk. Aha. That's so that's true. The answer. Yes. Because yeah. I'm sure if she made partners, she could have stayed in the city. But well, yeah. she's decided, I mean, financially, and now she's decided to. Come I can't back imagine what an apartment in Paris would cost either to rent or to buy that was big enough to accommodate you know, four people and two of them are little kids with all the all their gear. paraphernalia. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to learn how to ride a bicycle in Paris? I think they ride scooters because <laughs> they're easy. They fold up and they go up yeah. the stairs. Yeah, every little kid like, has a scooter. They're not like bikes. A few years ago, after becoming a partner in a law practice in Paris, the Grenoves finally moved out of the city to their life in the vineyard. Charlotte maintains her professional status and partnership in the firm to this day on a mostly remote basis. Twice a month, she travels by train into the city and always comes home with bags of treasures from food to fashion, and the kids are beside themselves on her return. M the dog is even a little crazy when Charlotte walks in the door, a little suspicious of the strange scents that ride back from the city on her clothes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've come back in the house and my dog is, you know, and they're all happy. And then they say, where have you been? 
Where have you been, traitor? <laughs> and God forbid you are near another dog and they catch, literally, they catch that scent and they're like, and one of my dogs used to pout. She'd turn her back and she wouldn't look at me for hours. <laughs> oh, God. The house doesn't settle down until the next morning when everything slips back into the schedule. These mornings are made special by an indulgent in whatever little food specialty found its way back from Paris. She probably I, went to the epicery. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she did. Now that's, okay, the epicery. You have to give us a little backstory to the epicery. The epicery. It's one of our favorite places because we'll find ourselves in that direction, I think, with some intent. Unstated yeah, we don't intent. stumble. It's called it. my stomach. <laughs> we yeah. don't stumble. So, <laughs> and they have these little, it's made with milfoy, and it's sort of folded over a little bit of ham and a little bit of cheese. They make different fillings, Vegetables. if you will. This is not, this is not a calzone. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, it's not a cow. It's beautiful. And it's, you know, it's flaky and it's a little crispy. Uh, It's soft. I can taste it right now. And they're still warm and they sell out so quickly. So many people pop in and grab a lunch and go to the park and sit down and eat because you do not eat while walking in France. No, no, no. And, you know, you'll see them and they always have a, a, the formula, as they say, and you get a, a sandwich, a drink, a beverage, a sandwich, and a and a sweet, some sort of a pudding well, dessert or, sweet or thing cookie or something, or something. creme brulee or something like this. And actually, a lot of businesses give employees these like a, a lunch ticket. They literally buy your lunch, and and the re- and restaurants and little shops that sell lunches Petit to service, go will yeah. say, you know, Bullet we cheese, accept. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, the lunch ticket thing. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Um, but it's definitely, there are so, little signs on Yeah, the, they have a little sign indicating that, you know, and then here's the menu for today. But at the apicerie, I don't think they participate in that at the no, apicerie. So but either. they offer a drink, a sandwich, and a, and a dessert for a fixed price. And these sandwiches are so good. Dear God, they are good. So that's one of the things. The epicerie is sort of like a Harrods food hall. Uh, it's more French market than Harrods food hall. It is Some stunning. of our favorite things there. Salted caramels. Oh, man. Yeah. The butters. They must have 20 or 30 different butter selections. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's intense. It's very, it's expensive. The food, the little grocery and market area they have set up with produce is produce is beautiful you know like i've said before like in a french outdoor market you know you just want to take out your camera and you know photograph everything the food is the display is stunning the surroundings they have a whole floor dedicated to wine and spirits are on the other side yeah lost in the place it's a food department store it's like a high-end food food department department store store. right exactly how you call it um so that's the apicerie (laughs) i don't know what brought us there Oh, the, what Charlotte brings back from the, from the city. Boy, I just took a little detour on that one. So back we are here. These mornings are made special by an indulgent in whatever little food specialty found its way back from Far- Paris. I learned to catch her in the early morning hours before the kids found their way down to the kitchen. These 30 or 40 minutes came to be an important part of my day when I could have deeper conversations with her as I looked to my own future. And much like the kids, vineyard, and pets, Charlotte had a calming effect on me, too. That's it. That's the end of the Charlotte section. 
Charlotte. We sure learned okay. a lot about her, though, didn't well, we? Let me just think about this for a second. She's a partner in a law firm. She's keeping her partnership going. She goes up to the city about once a week, I think. And it sounds like she stays overnight and she does a little shopping and, you know, she has her meetings Brings or whatever. Treats. And then comes back on the train. So it's only like a little more than an hour on the train. You know, there's going to the station and, you know, getting into the village and back and forth. You know, when I was a kid, my mother used to do that. She'd go on Fridays, she'd take off and I never knew quite what she did, but she went alone and Mm -hmm. she'd come back. And remember the bakery would have the white box with the string. Oh, God, yeah. And she'd always bring a box. You never knew what was going to be in the box, but it was always a box of treats. And it was always on Fridays. And she bought other stuff too, whatever, whatever, wherever she had been. But those that can remember that box of treats that she would place on the table and it'd be like, oh, what's in it this week? Because every week was different. So Did I, your I mother thought escaped about that. to Paris for the weekend. No, she escaped to the, <laughs> she escaped to New York City to get away from us. But yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of an interesting. She not only goes to work. I'm talking about Charlotte now, but she also brings back something. I know. There's, there's a, I, I have so many memories of my mother coming into the house from being away from us for, you know, the day or evening or whatever. She would, she always brought, if they went out to dinner, here was, here's a funny one. If they went out to dinner or just went out to have a drink somewhere and they came back, she would, do you remember club sandwiches, the old stack sandwiches with turkey and bacon and lettuce and tomato? And, you know, they're like three inches high. When I was a kid, I loved club sandwiches. It was just, and I think it was more because it's what my mother used to bring to me. And she always brought home one, you know, they cut the sandwich in four triangles and she always brought half of it home. And, you know, she'd walk in the house and I'd, you know, I'm not looking at my mother. I'm looking at a piece of what a club she sandwich. What did she bring? <laughs> like, did you bring it? And she's like, yeah, she'd take it out of her bag. But it was the same thing, though. The dog would be going crazy and my mother comes in the house and there's all bags and packages and, you know, that kind of stuff and excitement. It, it's true. It doesn't settle down. People don't settle down for quite a while after that. I can really identify with what Claire is saying on that. And the, things didn't really calm down until the next day when the schedule reset. And okay, it's Back a normal, normal day, right? Yeah. yeah she is. So I Charlotte's like kind of cool. Hmm? And I think Charlotte gives Claire the same kind of guidance that Laurent does. You know? Absolutely. It's one day at a time. It's one project at a time. Focus in on what you're doing. And not look at it so globally that it overwhelms you, which no. is what I think a lot of people do. And then they get stuck and they can't move or you they know, can't progress. You know, what You know what have I learned so far? Claire is walking us through, introducing us to lots of different people now. You know, we have these early memories of what a cool aunt meant to her, you know, looking at her aunt. And now it's it's developing into, you know, other people older and younger than she is. Because Brigitte, she's clearly saying Brigitte's a cool aunt yeah, on, on sure. her way. And naked. I don't get the impression Charlotte is that much older than Claire is. No, she's no. got teeny kids. So, yeah, she's definitely younger than Laurent. Anyway, I'd like to know what you guys out there are thinking about um, with this, and I I want to keep this conversation going. I'm thinking about a million things from that kitchen, that kitchen with the wall of glass and oh that my terrace. God. Mm. Yeah, with the terrace with stone, the stone slab henge, the table. There's a lot of things, you know, how how the family navigates around her and with her. Not sounds like a hell of a renovation. Money was spent, <laughs> and the vineyards in the back. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, overlooking the vineyard. Overlooking yeah, okay. the vineyard. Okay. So, what are you thinking about when you heard this story? Are you are you visualizing it too? We are. 
let's keep it going. Let's go over on the Facebook group and throw up your thoughts and questions and whatever else you have and stories about your colons. Who's in your life? So I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And we'll see you next week when we're back Back at at the the mic. mic.